If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you bow your heads with me? The legislative session starts this week, Holy One. More than 2,000 new pieces of legislation have been proposed. We've already expressed concern about some of them to you. But on the eve of the first votes being taken, our prayers are for those who will cast them. We pray for the governor, our brother Kevin, We pray for the Speaker of the House, our brother Charles. We pray for the Senate pro tem, our brother Greg. We pray for members of the House and Senate, collectively and individually. Teach them, as the proverb says, to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The seat they occupy is a chair, not a throne. Give them ears to hear as they take questions, comments, and complaints. And remind us, Holy One, to throw in a compliment every once in a while. There are times when we think it's impossible, but let us commit to it as a spiritual practice. May it be said of their leadership that they lift up the lowly, fill the hungry with good things, and send the rich away empty. For most of us are three bad months from being homeless, but never three good months from being in the 1%. May their allocation of our collective resources reflect that truth. Bless the governor and this legislature, God. We ask this with sincere hearts. Our prayers are not perfunctory. We need them to govern with grace, compassion, and courage because so many depend on the decisions they make. We are pulling for the people who work at 23rd and Lincoln, Holy One, but we are also pulling for our teachers, our medical professionals, and our neighbors and friends with disabilities. We are pulling for those who need mental health and substance abuse services. We are pulling for our neighbors who are unhoused and for those of us who rely on food pantries to make ends meet. We 
believe that all of us need all of us to make it. We pray that they believe it too. We'll report back. We pray in the name of Jesus, our teacher and Lord. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said to them, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Gathering at the table for bread and wine has been an essential practice in Christianity from its beginning and continues to be one of the most consistently practiced sacraments in our tradition, sacraments being a thing of mysterious and sacred significance. In the sacrament of communion, we ask the Spirit to use rather ordinary items the bread and the cup, to make visible the grace, forgiveness, and presence of God. Like many things in the church, communion is a sign. It embodies God's desire that we are all to be fed abundantly and well, without discrimination, holding nothing back. For those of you who have been around Mayflower for a while, you'll have noticed that we have increased the frequency of communion by about 267% <laughs> over the last six months. We used to be like the Baptists, once a quarter, not more, maybe less. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But we have always had requests for us to set the table more often. And when I say always, at least a decade. When he was hired as Mayflower's original associate minister, the Reverend Chris Moore, who is now pastor at Fellowship Congregational UCC in Tulsa, Chris began offering communion once a month in the 9 a.m. service. At that time, the bread and the cup were dispensed using a tower of trays. Perhaps you grew up with that too. The deacons would carefully dispense the elements into the stackable silver trays to be passed hand-to-hand -hand down the rows, each person carefully taking a chiclet square and a tiny glass thimble of wine or juice and fervently praying they wouldn't be the one to fumble the tray. Then, a bit later, 
Chris introduced the congregation to communion via intinction, in which each person dips real bread into the cup and partakes of the elements on the way back to their pew. Intinction became our standard practice after that, no, mat no matter which service offered communion. And it spoiled us. Really, it spoiled us because we started using real bread, often from Panera, but sometimes Hawaiian rolls. Nancy Kloss brought us back bread from Nicaragua, from the bakery connected to the albergue, albergue, the school for deaf children supported by the MMO, the Mayflower Medical Outreach. The switch to real bread moved us a little bit closer to how we think communion was practiced in the earliest days of the church. Early Christian sharing of bread and wine didn't consist of a bite of bread and a sip from the cup, but occurred in the context of a real meal, a full meal. As Marcus Borg explains, the importance of shared meals in Christianity was a continuation of the meal practice of Jesus. In his public activity, meals mattered, food mattered. Recall that the Lord's Prayer contains a petition for daily bread. Moreover, Jesus was known for and often criticized for eating with people whom a respectable person would avoid the marginalized, the impure, and the outcasts. Thus, Jesus' meal practice also symbolized and embodied inclusivity in a world with sharp social boundaries. Fast forward to the last time we served communion here at Mayflower, January 2nd, the year of our Lord, 2022. When someone commented on their way out of the sanctuary, the service was great, but the portions were small. <laughs> no need to look around to see if someone is gonna own that comment, it was me. <laughs> Communion had not gone exactly the way I thought it should. You see, back in December, we tried to reorder the brand of prepackaged Communion we had been using, only to find out that the supply chain issues made them unavailable. So we went with a different brand. And as I commented last month, the bread was surprisingly crunchy. <laughs> as in, yuck. It's all right. I admit it. You were thinking it. It's fine. I did consider, like, maybe we should just hold off on communion until we can practice it with elements that have a shelf life. This cannot be what the bread of heaven tastes like. How exactly do these pre-portioned squares of barely edible cardboard count as a thing of mysterious and sacred significance, a sacrament? Which takes us back to our story, the feeding of the 5,000 from five loaves and two fish. This is the only miracle story recounted in all four Gospels, as biblical scholar Douglas Hare writes. Its inclusion in the Gospel of John, as well as the Synoptic Gospels, suggests that this story is of unique importance. There are many things to learn from each way the Gospels tell the story. We do not, of course, need to debate whether the miracle really happened, for we know that this story is true. The way Matthew tells it, there are fingerprints of communion 
in this story. If we were to flip over to Matthew 26, where we find the story of the Last Supper, we find Jesus using the same four verbs that he does in chapter 14 regarding the bread. He took, blessed, broke, and gave it. It sounds like the feeding of the 5,000 was a precursor to the communion meal. And if it was, then the crowd that day might relate to our current prepackaged communion predicament. I don't mean to say that each person in that crowd received a minimally calculated measured portion of bread and fish. But what we can imagine is that what was served to this massive crowd that day was a far cry from a communion meal. Jesus provided no cooked dishes, no luxurious fruit, no wine. But for Matthew, while what was offered was not a banquet, it did provide the basic necessities for the crowd. The miracle story assures Jesus' followers and the readers of this gospel that God will hear them when they pray. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, sometimes, like during a pandemic, writes Mary Ludy, communion looks like mass-produced, pre-proportioned containers in a holy Keurig cup. It's the necessary, safe, and prudent thing to do. It's definitely not a full meal, much less real bread. But these little hermetically sealed communion cups still provide the basic necessities. The basic necessity for sparking our prophetic imagination in a world that insists there is not enough, we can ensure that everyone does in fact get their daily bread. A world where recovery and rehabilitation programs are as well-funded as the police. A world where public school teachers and professional athletes are valued using the same pay scale. The basic necessity for the widest welcome we can offer to anyone looking for community and inclusion. For Jesus never rejected anyone where our churches are places where we do not simply accommodate, we celebrate. The basic necessity for theological curiosity, for us to consider how something as simple as bread can hold mysterious and sacred significance. And if that's true about bread, what else what else is it true of? Perhaps then it is possible that folding clothes, drinking a morning cup of coffee, unloading the dishwasher, letting someone merge into traffic, or changing a diaper have sacred significance depending on the care with which we do them. So this morning, let us take the crunchier than we'd like bread and the not-quite-enough-to-wet-your-whistle cup, and bless it. Our story tells us that we can expect a miracle. Shall we? You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Dr. Lori Walkie. 
Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.